DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. But these letters, they're rich letters. Celine, kind of the moment when she really stands out. And you see her growing through the crucible. You also see Therese growing through the crucible. I'm going to read one of these letters now. There's quite a handful of them because the uh, superior wanted Therese to write regularly to encourage Celine, who very much needed it during this time. And of course, they were so close, the two of them. So in this letter, Therese begins, Jesus himself is taking charge of saying happy birthday for his fiancée's 20 years. In Therese's mind, Celine is already a Carmelite, and so therefore espoused to Jesus. What a 20th year fruitful in sufferings, she underlines that, in choice graces. 20 years, an age filled with illusion. Tell me, what illusion are you leaving in the heart of my Celine? Not much, because she is seeing the sufferings of life in such a powerful way. What memories between us? It's a world of memories. Yes, Jesus has his preferences. There are in his garden fruits which the sun of his love ripens almost in the twinkling of an eye. Why are we of this number? At this early age, both of us so aware of the Lord. A question filled with mystery. But again, this is always Therese. You can see the entire focus is on Celine. The reason Therese is writing this letter is because she's been asked to keep this correspondence to encourage Celine. So she's not sharing her own news. If she does speak about herself, she does it in order to encourage Celine. Uh, of course, this is true in general. If Therese wrote the story of a soul, it was never her own initiative. She was simply being obedient to what superiors asked her at various times. What reason can Jesus give us? Alas, his reason is that he has no reason. Celine, let us make use of Jesus' preference, which has, his reason is that he has no reason. He just loves, that's all. And that's the mystery. Let us make use of Jesus' preference, which has taught us so many things in so few years, and let us neglect nothing that can please him. Let us be adorned by the sun of his love. The sun is burning. Let us be consumed by love. Now, that is never flowery language for Therese. Uh, When Therese talks about burning with love and being consumed by love, she's not speaking about simply feelings, of which she didn't have all that many, actually, in her life in the Carmel. Warm feelings, you know, this sort of thing. What she's speaking of is very concrete, down-to-earth, daily choices that we make to smile at a person we don't feel like smiling at, to go out of our way to help another person, 
in a very concrete way to make our entire life be a gift of that love lived out in the people and events and relationships and places where God has placed us. That's what she means. And this applies to Celine here, who at this point has left home everything and is entirely dedicated to trying to help their father in any way that she can without much support and in helplessness, not being able to do much, and in such sorrow to see the the pain and the humiliation of their father. So that's, you know, any sentimental approach to St. Therese fades as soon as you get close to Therese. If we stop at the language itself, that is flowery and can be understood if it's only seen on the level of words. It could be taken at times in a sentimental way, but the at times flowery language always conveys and conveys in a way that the recipient can hear, conveys a very rich spiritual substance. You mentioned the crucible of suffering. And you see that in the life of Louis and also in Celine and Therese, that they didn't know at the time. They could not have known. This could have been just the suffering of a little family in the the western part of France. And yet, God used that in their lives, that crucible, to burn such a fire of love. They would never know here on earth how it would affect the world, quite literally, and touch others. I guess the reason I bring that up, we don't know the crucible of suffering that we endure every day. This was an everyday type of ache in a very real way for all of them, wasn't it? When we look at suffering with the eyes of faith, and this is so deep in Therese, then our entire understanding of it changes. Suffering is never easy. None of this was easy for Therese and her family. But our understanding of it changes. For Therese, suffering becomes a treasure. And not in any masochistic kind of way, but because she knows that suffering is the road to fruitfulness, to spiritual fruitfulness in herself and so abundantly in her life for others, so much so that she didn't want to stop even at at death, you know, but continue doing good on earth. And that suffering is the heart. Of course, look at uh, Jesus' own life, passion and death. It's it's very evident there, the uh, infinite fruitfulness of his suffering. And we're called to share that. I speak with a kind of reverence and slowness here because I don't want to sound like I'm saying something that I've mastered myself and I don't like suffering. I'll I'll be upfront about it. Me neither. Physical suffering, emotional suffering, whatever form it takes, uh, I don't like it. I'm glad when it disappears. I'm afraid to have it come and so on. However, to the extent that we begin to see suffering the way Therese came to understand it, which she learned from John of the Cross, you, you see in the various saints, ultimately Jesus himself, that God took this worst of all things that came into the world through sin and its origins, at the, um, as we see in Genesis chapter 3, and made it the instrument of the greatest blessings that humanity can never know, the royal road to growth, to holiness, to fruitfulness. When we begin to see that, so much of what our world looks at today when it says, why should this person suffer? And you get things like euthanasia and so on. All of that 
takes on a radically different light, and it takes on its truth. Not only is suffering not useless, but it's a jewel, it's a treasure, it's a prize. Difficult, precisely, because that's the nature of suffering, but when understood with faith and born with courage, we saw that in Zelie, you see it in Therese in a remarkably heroic way, then it begins to be possible to, to bear it. You know that line of um, uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, you know his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning, and how in his time in Auschwitz and the various concentration camps during World War II, he learned that those who saw no meaning in their suffering simply succumbed and died. Those who found meaning in it, a person who was determined to be reunited to his wife or determined to raise his children or to complete his life's project, these were the ones who survived. We can bear anything when we see meaning in it. And it was that that gave such courage to Therese and the others around her to bear the, uh, the, the deep sufferings of, of her life. We speak of her as St. Therese of the Child Jesus, but that isn't actually her complete name in religion. When she took the veil, she added uh, in that additional part, so she was Therese of the Child Jesus of the Holy Face. And actually, as the years of her uh, religious life went by, the Holy Face, more than the Child Jesus, both were always important to her, but the Holy Face became the real center of her spirituality. And that was the face of Jesus as we see it in Isaiah 53. There was no beauty in him. We turn from him as one whom we considered forgotten by God and beaten down and so on. It's the, the suffering, bleeding, marred face of Jesus as one from whom people hid their eyes. That's what she means by the hidden face of Jesus. And it's a symbol of suffering. And deeply, deeply what she wants to live because she knows the fruitfulness of it. So, you know, in these letters, these things are said very simply, but there is such a depth behind them. Now, we have Therese here at age 16. She will grow a great deal in all of this in the years to come. But this is already a profound theme throughout her, her religious life. Let us be consumed by love. St. Francis de Sales says, when the fire of love is in a heart, all the furniture flies out the window. This becomes the, the center. What she's doing here, and in some of what follows, she's quoting things that she's heard said by preachers in their retreats. Let us allow nothing, nothing in our heart except Jesus. Let us not believe we can love without suffering, without suffering much. Our poor nature is there, and it isn't there for nothing. Our nature is our riches, our means of earning our bread. So this humanity that God has given us, that can rejoice, but that can also feel emotional pain and deep emotional pain, this gift of this body that God has given us, which is such a gift for our lives, but which can also feel pain and grow ill. This, she says, is our riches, because this is where we have, this is where we can suffer. This is where we can live through an experience with the Lord and for the Lord that is fruitful beyond our imagining, as you've just uh, indicated. Our nature is our riches, our means of earning our bread. It is so precious that Jesus came on earth purposely to take possession of it. He wanted to share it. Then a, a lovely sentence, and it's really for this that I quote this letter. Let us suffer the bitter pain without courage. Uh, she's quoting uh, one of their retreat directors. This was uh, Father Pichon, who was a spiritual director for several of the Martin sisters, including Therese. 
although uh, shortly after she entered the convent, he went to Canada and was there for most of her life. And she wrote regularly to him. Unfortunately, he didn't keep her letters appropriately because letters of spiritual direction. But uh, it's estimated that she wrote probably about 50 letters to him, which would have been a wonderful treasure. He was extremely busy there and would write back to her roughly once a year or so. So it was pretty thin spiritual direction at that point. But he, at this point, had just given a retreat to the community. And she's quoting some of his thoughts here. Let us suffer the bitter pain without courage. And then she says in parentheses, Jesus suffered in sadness. Without sadness would the soul suffer. So, Celine, like us at times, when we're in situations that are painful, we don't feel like we have much courage. We feel like we're bearing it very badly. As I said before, if we're honest, we, we don't want it. We do anything to get out of it. It's there. We go through it almost because we have no choice and we feel like we bumble. You know, halfway through it, we want to accept it, but we're afraid at times. And all of this, we would feel like, yes, I'm suffering, but not with very much courage. At times I will say this to people when I really sincerely admire the courage with which they're going through trials and painful things. I'll say something like, it's just beautiful, the courage with which you're facing it. And invariably the person will answer, I don't feel very very courageous. I don't feel very brave. So that's what Celine is feeling. And so Therese is addressing that. Of course you don't feel like you have much courage. That's the very nature of the suffering itself. And that is how Jesus suffered. And she'll point to Jesus, if not in this letter elsewhere, his prayer in the garden. Father, take this away from me. If it's at all possible, take this away from me. Sweating even unto blood. He suffered with sadness. He didn't suffer apart from his humanity and all that it feels. So this, it's a very beautiful thing that she's saying here to Celine. Of course you don't feel very brave and courageous and you feel... That's the nature of suffering. That's the way Jesus suffered. It's beautiful. Go forward with it. And still we would like to suffer generously, grandly. Celine, what an illusion. We'd want never to fall. What does it matter, my Jesus, if I fall at each moment? And we're beginning to get echoes of her little way, which is growing and developing as these years are going by. What does it matter, my Jesus, if I fall at each moment? I see my weakness through this, and that is a great gain for me. You can see through this what I can do, you, meaning Jesus, and now you will be more tempted to carry me in your arms. My, my weakness is not only a source of discouragement. When I get impatient, I, I just can't bear this another day all of these things, when I speak sharply and, and so forth, and don't show the care and love and sensitivity that you know, I know I'm really called to. Far from being a source of discouragement for Therese, and this is absolutely at the heart of Therese, this is one of the nerve points, that very failure and weakness and inability becomes the source of her confidence. Because, as it were, when she brings it to Jesus and opens herself to his help, it almost, as she says, obliges him all the more to be present and to help her. You can see through this what I can do, and now you will be more tempted to carry me in your arms. If you do not do it, it is because this pleases you to see me on the ground. You call me to go through this. Then I am not going to be disturbed, but I shall always stretch out my arms suppliant and filled with love. I cannot believe that you would abandon me. 
However you ask me to go through this with whatever sadness and burden and sense that I just don't have much courage to face this, I'm never going to be disturbed by any of this and I will be sure that you will be with me to help me. We're probably going to come back to this because at some point I imagine we'll be speaking about the little way a little more explicitly. But this is one of the things that I really love about Therese, how she turns on its head what we so readily feel. I fail, I'm not doing very well, therefore, however gently, God, you're not very pleased with me, see me as deficient, some discouragement, some settling for less, all of these things. And, and for Therese, that very fact, which is part of our humanity, it's inevitable. That's just who we are. And as she says, Jesus loved that humanity enough to want to share it with all of its struggles and weakness. It's that very weakness, which if we bring it to the Lord, if we don't let ourselves get discouraged and bring it to the Lord, that becomes the source of our greatest strength because it's there that the Lord approaches us and brings us his blessing. It was when the saints were at the feet of our Lord that they encountered their crosses. Again, quoting the retreat director. Dear Celine, sweet echo of my soul, if you knew my misery, if you knew my misery, that is how weak I am, how imperfect I am, Oh, if you knew. So it's not just you, Celine, who's struggling. I'm, I'm with you in this. We're walking the same road. These letters were enormously strengthening for Celine, as she says in a number of them, if we were to read them. Therese knew exactly how to speak to the heart of this 20-year-old woman who was her sister and with whom they had shared so deeply. Sanctity does not consist in saying beautiful things. It does not even consist in thinking them and feeling them. It consists in suffering, and suffering everything. And this is, again, deep, deep into the heart of Therese. And we quoted before uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, you know, that love has to hurt. Love until it hurts. Sanctity, exclamation point. We must conquer it at the point of the sword. We must suffer, again quoting the retreat director. We must agonize. A day will come when the shadows will disappear, and she always lives this is something she learned from their father and their mother. Heaven, eternal life, is not just a distant truth of the faith, but it's real, it's every day. We'll return to the letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs. Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O oh, Father, fountain of all life and holiness. You gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ, your Son, a lively hope, 
and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Letters of St. Therese of the Sioux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Uh, one of the books that was very dear to Therese, actually together with The Imitation of Christ, these were the two books, uh, had just been published shortly before she came across it. Her father had it, she saw it, fell in love with it, read it, deeply absorbed it. And it's by a father, Charles Armijon, who was a, a, a very widely renowned a retreat director and preacher, and its retreat conferences on the end of life. And the book is entitled in translation, End of the Present World and Mysteries of the Future Life. It's been recently published in English. Now, the title itself tells you how deeply Therese absorbed the truth of and how fresh in her consciousness were these, these truths of the end of this life, our time here will end and then the future life that lies ahead, and always living in that perspective. Chris, what if our world today, our culture in this country, lived with that kind of consciousness? How much would change? Things fall back into their proper perspective when we see them in that light. And for Therese, this is constant. She always lives in that perspective. So she says, a day will come, since it's never far from her, this too to encourage Celine. All of this is going to have its reward, and it's coming. A day will come when the shadows will disappear, and then there will remain only joy inebriation. So, let us profit from our one moment of suffering. This year, this brief time that we have in this world, let us profit from it. Let us see only each moment. A moment is a treasure. One act of love will make us know Jesus better. It will bring us closer to him during the whole of eternity. She signs as Sister Therese of the Child Jesus of the Holy Face. You can imagine how encouraging that letter would have been for Celine. But you can also see here how these young women, in what I call the crucible of suffering, are being matured. As she says, the illusions, any illusions, they're, they're just they're gone. 
And in fact, you see this in Therese. She comes through this trial with another kind of spiritual maturation. And as I said before, this is kind of the shining hour in Celine's life when she so heroically bears all this. This next letter, to which we'll turn now, brings us to two years later. So Therese is now 18. And we'll read two letters. This is a letter that Therese writes to her aunt, Celine Guerin, her, her brother, so her uncle Isidore's wife, on the occasion of her aunt's feast day. And then we'll read the response of her aunt to Therese, written shortly after. So she says, Dear Aunt, it is very sweet for your littlest daughter to come with her older sisters, so the others who are with her in Carmel, to wish you a happy feast day. Now, I want to pause for a moment on the fact that Therese speaks of her aunt as a mother, your littlest daughter. This is another thing that's very, very deep in Therese. Repeatedly in her early years, she lost her successive mothers. So when Therese was born, already several of her younger brothers and sisters had died in infancy. And Therese, shortly after her birth, came very close to it. Uh, her, her mother, Celie, went through an anguished time, fearing that she was going to lose this little girl as well. And in order to save her life, because she was not able to nurse Therese in the way that she needed, she asked a, a woman who lived about seven miles distant, on a, a peasant woman on a farm, if she would be willing to nurse Therese. Uh, this woman they knew to be trustworthy uh, because she had done this for some of the uh, others of the children. This woman, Rose Taille, agreed, but with the stipulation that if she was going to do it, she wanted Therese with her for a year. And, uh, of course, Zélie and Louis agreed to this. So Therese is born just a matter of weeks after she is born. She is separated from her birth mother. And she is taken out of the family home and lives now with Rose and her family. She had a number of children on their, basically, uh, a simple farm. And she spends her first year there. Now, Rose would come once a week into Alençon to sell the produce of the farm. And on those occasions, she would bring Therese with her, and so Zélie would have a chance to see her. But this was not an unmixed occasion, because Therese now had assimilated thoroughly the peasant background, the kind of the, the, the country background, and she was familiar with Rose, who dressed in that way. Rose would work in the fields, as the others did. And so she was very at home with that milieu. And when she would come to the family home, where you had this lace-making business and wealthy women coming to pick up the orders of lace and so on, uh, Therese would cry. She just, uh, And finally, sometimes they would just have to take her back to the market where Rose was. Uh, so, that, uh, so you can imagine how painful that was for uh, Celie. But what's happening is that Therese is uh, not able to bond with a mother. And now at age one, she is returned to the family home, and so she loses, as it were, for a second time, the mother with whom she's bonded. And you have some very telling things there. Celie writes about this in one of her letters. For example, Therese is going up the stairs, and at every step she calls out, Mama. And unless Celie answers and she hears her mother's voice, she won't take the next step. Celie is working around the home, and Therese will never leave her. You can see that there's 
there's an anxiety. She desperately needs her mother. She can't, she can't lose her mother again. And then she does. When uh, just uh, three years after she's returned home, her mother dies. And this is a, a key moment in Therese's story. Because until then, she's basically, she, Therese was remarkably intelligent. Always ahead of her class and her schooling and so on. She was also lively, uh, fun, and all of that changes completely at the death of her mother because she becomes shy, introverted, easily prone to tears, to scruples, because for a third time she has lost her mother. At the death of their mother, Celine, four years older, turns to Marie, the oldest girl, and says, you will be my mother now. And Therese imitates Celine and turns to Pauline and says, you will be my mother now. And so Pauline becomes the next of her mothers, and a deep, deep bond uh, develops between the two of them. Until the same pattern repeats, when Pauline departs for the Carmel. And the way this happened was painful for Therese in a way that nobody could have guessed at the time. Uh, Therese is nine now. She learns that Pauline is going to leave and go to the Carmel when she hears a remark made between Pauline and Marie. The fact that her mother, Pauline, never even told her that she was leaving it just pierces Therese. And it's after the departure of Pauline that Therese has that nervous crisis and that illness uh, which so prostrates her and from which she's healed. She's healed by the smile of the Virgin as she, you know, the smile of the statue of Our Lady. So you can see what's developing. Of course, then her next mother, Marie, also leaves to go into the Carmel. So the, the quest for a mother who will not leave her is deep, deep, deep in Therese and a great source of pain around this as the years of her life go by. This is one profound reason why the Virgin Mary came to mean so much to Therese because this was the mother who never left. We'll continue this conversation with Father Timothy Gallagher in our next episode. You've been listening to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.